0: This term I used in the last part of our conversation, meta-awareness, which is having an awareness of the ongoing content and processes in our mind. Um, what does that mean? It means that you're not going to cling on to anything. You're just going to allow things to come, like kind of like a cloud passing in the sky. Mental content comes and it goes away. And you're not trying to hold on to a moment. You're not trying to push a moment away. You're allowing it to be. Hmm. And the nature of reality is that Everything's impermanent, nothing is gonna stay constant. So understanding that and then appreciating sort of the moment to moment occurrence of reality.
1: Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person and do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life, and we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them good and bad, and we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziegler.com. Connect with Tom Ziegler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. I'm back with neuroscientist, Dr. Amishi Ja, who schooled us on the power of our attention and what we give it to in episode 935. This time we walk and talk through her personal habits for success. And as you heard in the intro from her, we got into meta awareness, which to me brought me back to something comedian Michael Jr. said to me in a recent show where he referenced thinking about what he's thinking about really like that about being aware, being present in the moment, but realizing as Amishi says, our reality is moment by moment and not to get so hung up on any one point. And it spoke to me just of holding things lightly, which is a current focal point of mine. You'll find this topic, other powerful nuggets in this upcoming short episode. And if you're interested in more with Amishi, I'd recommend getting her book, Peak Mind. You can find it wherever you get your books. I'm going to lead off like I have lately because it's just, I, I, I find myself interested in it and it's my show and I get to do what I want. So uh, with the, if we look at primary areas that you have habits in, your health, relationships your mental wellness your money your spiritual self your career and your work and just personal interest are there any that recently or or i'll just ask the most recent ones that you have maybe added something to or changed or altered in some way it's a little new for you
0: yeah yeah i would say probably the physical fitness part of it and it was um you know, if you stop paying attention, you suffer. <laughs> and so during the process of writing the book, I was, and, and it was the pandemic, I was on my computer and typing nonstop, like 16 hours a day, the normal commute time or interfacing with my lab, it just wasn't happening. And I developed severe, um, acute carpal tunnel in my wrists and shoulders and so i started a swimming routine uh, and hired somebody to teach me how to swim in a way that could help and it's been awesome wow but it it took me getting to that point to be like you know what yeah of course if you just ignore your body it's gonna it's gonna say hey pay attention so that's been a new fun thing that i've been able to do and i live in florida so it's easy to to find time to swim every day
1: uh that do you swim in the ocean or you hit a pool no 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 okay yeah okay so along with that in the health category so there's on the physical side Do you have any nutritional structures you abide by or habits that you utilize? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, my, it's funny, my children, um, are both vegan and my son's away at college, but for, uh, during the pandemic, he was been at home. So I've been vegetarian for a very long time, but we started, uh, Going vegan, And the interesting thing about it from sort of a mindfulness point of view is just like I never thought about in consuming dairy or eggs. Like it just wasn't on my radar. And all of a sudden, just the vigilance it takes to actually ensure that I'm, I'm doing it. And I do it because I really want to support their decisions. Most of their decisions are both from ethical as well as sort of environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was going to be respectful of that. But that was a new one. <laughs> and I'll have to say I have started introducing cheese back into my life because I really missed it um but yeah that's that was something that happened over the last what 18 19 months
1: yeah if you're going to be vegan you have to be talk about my that right there is a mindfulness exercise being vegan Definitely. in this culture holy smokes so yeah we were,
0: but it's kind of it's kind of interesting because yeah. like anytime we go anywhere with them especially the our filter of the world is so different it's like we're always looking for vegan restaurants we're always like kind of orienting All of our activities around access to that, and in some ways, it's kind of nice because it limits the possibilities. We don't have to choose between eighty restaurants; we've got two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We yeah, and we just
0: decision fatigue is less. We we just don't
1: eat out for the most part because between yeah, those we've got kids who are vegan, vegetarian. We've got some that'll do a little. bit. And you got nine
0: of of them, so. (laughs) Well,
1: thankfully, they're they're not all at home at the same time. (laughs) there's enough that that's another reason we don't eat out. How about, well, speaking of your kids and the, you know, going through a book and having a, a busy workload, tell me about some of the habits that you put in place to keep those relationships healthy and where you want them.
0: You mean with my family? Yeah,
1: just relationship, family and friends, yeah. relationships in general.
0: Oh, you know, this is a huge one. And, um, huh, I would say that the hardest thing for me, um, in the kind of journey of the pandemic is just how isolating it can become. And this is the level of, of social engagement, right? You're seeing people on a screen. So what I've really enjoyed and we're not there yet is like starting to actually see, see friends again. But what I committed to is that we would make contact in some form, whether if we're not going to see each other, at least by phone or zoom. um, Because I really think that that's like my lifeblood. If I don't connect with people that I care about, it feels lonely. Um, and a lot of that loneliness is something we we don't have to just accept that we can actually empower ourselves to connect. So I've been, I take that seriously and it's very easy to slip into an isolation chamber as you are about to do when you go away for the weekend and write, it's like, you just want people to leave you alone, but you realize like, if you do that, um, you're missing out on actually the buoyancy of your life. So allow some period of social engagement. In fact, encourage yourself to do it even if you don't want to.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that I was writing about relationships, and it yeah. occurred to me if I woke up one day, not some dystopian weirdness, but life is there, but there's nobody here. It's just me. I'm da- What's the point? I just yeah. I, I just that 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 hit me because I can yeah. tend to be introverted and with such a right. big family want to go into isolation, but I have no purpose outside of my participation with people. So, well, I, and that's
0: I, the, our greatest sources of joy are through the connections we have. So, we don't want yeah. to miss out on that. Mental. Even though they can drive you nuts,
1: they can sometimes. That's true. <laughs> and me, them as well. Like, sometimes <laughs> there's a few of them might be glad that daddy's going away for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> mental is the next one. And of course, we talked about in the first show together so much of your work is right here. I mean, it, it, that's, that is your focus. You live and work in this area of mental well-being and, uh, and, and being mindful. Um, but I'm going to put it to you personally. What are some of the personal things then that you do on a given day for your mental?
0: Yeah. So I, uh, practice mindfulness meditation at least 12 minutes a day. And that is usually in the morning time, like kind of part of my routine. And that tends to work best for me. It's like, Kids out the door at school, you know, I can actually have some quiet time. um, And it's a great way for me to start my day, but I don't put a lot of time demands on it, only 12 to 15 minutes a day. Um, And that really helps me. And oftentimes I'll almost like treat myself and do like a double practice, which sounds kind of weird, but. I have to, con- you know, it's I'm time pressured. I don't have a lot of time, but on a Saturday, I might do like a little bit of a longer practice. And it's funny. It can, we know from our research, by the way, that the more you practice, the more you benefit. So it's not, it's 12 minutes is just a threshold to get benefits. Yeah. And you can extend beyond that. So um, I never thought that I would enjoy it, <laughs> but I actually really benefit from it. Uh, not just the kind of benefits that we've been talking about through the show, but. Um, it's it's like time to, to just be alone and be quiet.
1: Do you have any definition or label that you give it? Because when these day and age, when we talk about meditation, mindfulness, a lot of people will attest to. Oh, I do this style. I do this app. I do. Well, that's this.
0: that's exactly what I talk about in the book. I give four different practices uh, that have in common. And I said the form of meditation to me, meditation is just engaging in specific mental practices to okay. cultivate certain qualities. like It's just a thing. It's been part of the world. So it's like, you do this, this happens. Mindfulness meditation is cultivating the mental qualities of present-centeredness. Hmm. And why do we do that? Because our mind is, why is that important? Because our mind tends to wander 50% of our waking moments. So it's mindfulness meditation that I'm, I'm doing and the way that I practice it is pay attention to breath-related sensations. When your mind wanders, gently return it. If you don't like that, do a walking meditation. If you don't like that, do a body scan or just mix it up. Um, but what I do in the book is actually give people guided practices with little instructions, so they can, they can start on that, and and to not think of it as clearing the mind, not think of it as deep breathing, but as exercising attention.
1: Well, I like that terminology. I wrote that down. Present centeredness. That's great. That's what I often suffer from not having. <laughs>
0: You're not alone.
1: Thanks, <laughs> thanks. How about money, finances, any habits that you've employed along the way specifically? Mm, just make sure you have no. some. I have. I
0: just want to make sure I have some. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's fair, and I would say yeah. that's that's always I'm pretty,
0: I'm pretty straightforward when it comes to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I am too. My financial habit is make some money. Uh, <laughs> how about on the spiritual side? Which, interestingly, as you know, so many people would lump in with. The well I say that and I'm by proxy putting a bias on that. But they would lump that in with mindfulness. Yeah. I feel like you have you have separated that out some so well, that people don't get bogged I down mean, in it.
0: I would say I was allergic to the concept of of meditation as as spiritual okay, from yeah, a rigorous yeah. neuroscience point of view. But I've come to actually kind of embrace this notion. When I think of what spiritual means to me, it is connecting with something bigger than me. Yeah. And so it could mean you know, we have beautiful nature around. To me, that's a spiritual practice going in and having these, you know, this whole other kind of practice that we haven't even talked about, which is not about focusing, but it's about open, open awareness, it's called. Going into a forest or actually by our house, by the ocean and doing that, that to me is what, what a spiritual experience is now. It's deeply connecting uh, in a different way.
1: You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this habits episode with Dr. Amishi Ja. Next, I ask her to unpack meta-awareness, which is where I took this episode's intro clip from.
0: This term I used in the last part of our conversation, meta-awareness, which is having an awareness of the ongoing content and processes in our mind. Um, what does that mean? It means that you're not going to cling on to anything. You're just going to allow things to come, like kind of like a cloud passing in the sky. Mental content comes and it goes away. And you're not trying to hold on to a moment. You're not trying to push a moment away. You're allowing it to be. Mm. And the nature of reality is that everything's impermanent. Nothing is going to stay constant. So understanding that and then appreciating sort of the moment-to-moment occurrence of reality is really, I guess, what my notion of, of spiritual practice might be if I had to put a label on it. But that practice, that open monitoring practice is so useful for so many other things. Like think of a social situation. You don't really know what's going on. Open monitoring, listening. You're actually practicing open monitoring right now. You don't know what I'm going to say. You might be having some thoughts, but you're kind of receptive to my words. So these are practices that we can use for our, our spiritual pursuits and our and our business pursuits. too.
1: I liked your concept just of allowing it to be. I, fi- I haven't had that terminology, but I will, I'll use that. Just in some of the moments where we're so prone to capture it and then share it. You gotta take a picture and share which is sweet. Something happens at my house and we wanna share it with the rest of the family, it's sweet, but sometimes I'll find this, the anxiety to do so as opposed to just, can I just experience that rainbow and just let it be right now and it's just for me. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? You don't, that is
0: a, so many people have a hard time doing that. And, you know, this is what was, again, so interesting with some of the special forces people we've worked with. It's like to them success and some of the benefits of these programs and practices that, that I described in our research, it was, it was like, I, you know, we, they, they do a program with us and I'd say, okay, how did mindfulness help you in your, in your life? I'd expect some cool story about some cool thing they had to do. And it was things like I could sit in my daughter's ballet recital and actually see her. Yeah. You know, or I could be at the soccer game and pay attention to him. Like, it was that capacity that our attention flitting around, we we get so habituated to that, that, you know, it's not just about deep thought, it's about focusing on the things that matter and holding the space to observe our life unfolding. Mm. So it can quickly go from the very ordinary and very practical to the very broad and um, ephemeral.
1: Next one is career and business. So when we look at your vocational life, what are some of the day-to-day habits that you rely on to keep it on the path you want it?
0: Oh, well, I mean, I've run a lab with dozen more plus people, so they help with that. But it's having a routine, having structure, having yeah. regular meetings, and going back to that executive functioning and juggler, mm. remembering that I don't have to do every task. In fact, it's a disservice for me to do the tasks because I have to be the juggler. So if I get sucked into a task, I will drop other balls. So to kind of keep that perspective of, make sure I never forget that my job is as a leader to guide and ensure that individuals doing the thing that they're doing are are best guided to do
1: so. Last one's personal. And this one to me, she falls into Self-care is a great umbrella, but I also within there always want to throw in the idea of if there's play, if there's there's fun, if there's hobbies or certain interests that you invest in that just make you the joyful you.
0: Oh, God, yeah. And that is, again, so important. Just like you were saying, you know, the, the going for a walk and letting yourself think can be a source of joy. For me, it's like, it's actually disengaging entirely from like that way of making my mind. I like to make stuff with my hands, whether it's jewelry with my daughter or little clay, clay things um, that are pieces of art and music. Mm. Uh, I happen to really like electronic music. So that's the kind of music I like, yeah. um, house music. And um, those, those things actually take me in a, different, in a different direction, kind of keep these circuits offline so I can enjoy my brain in a different way.
1: Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Hey, thank you. That's thank what I'm you. looking yeah. for, how uh, Amishi works. And I think it, it helps to engage with your work too. And just, again, thank you for the time. Thank you for the insight. Thanks for sharing with us. Absolutely. I'm again, drawn toward this perspective on reality and how we get so caught up in what we perceive in a moment and how we feel. And we think it's absolute truth. And we'd use the term, get our panties in a wad, or maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. Again, you can find Amishi's book, Peak Mind, wherever you get your books. Coming up next in episode 938 of The Ziegler Show, Tom Ziegler and I do a show together that's not our normal Q&A. In a recent recent Q&A show, he threw out this question or concept of, do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? And I was just so intrigued by it, I wanted to dig in further. So we did. And from it, just had a really heart-level talk on how we all perceive our beliefs, speaking back to reality and how it shapes our lives for better and worse. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.